Hello, all you beautiful people. This is Optimistically Depressed, and I am your host, Ruth McMullen. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen with me today. Um, I just want to give a shout out to Sean McMullen, because he manages me, and he helps take care of like all, pretty much all the recording stuff, and he doesn't get any thanks Uh, in like in public and I just think that I should take the opportunity to thank him because I'm like without him I just wouldn't be where I am and I'm just really grateful for everything that he does for me he's just an incredible human being and I'm really lucky to have him in my life I've actually been thinking about how fortunate I am to have a lot of different people in my life I just had a friend tonight um tell me that um whenever I'm feeling down, I can always get in touch with them. And that's really great because one thing that I tend to do is just keep everything to myself. Like even though I started optimistically depressed because I want to create a space where people can feel open to talk about their, you know, some of the stuff that's going on with them, like their depression or anxiety or anything, their story. Um, I still have trouble taking that advice for myself. And uh, although like lately I've been saying, you know, I've been having a bit of a rough go and that kind of thing. Um, I am still like, I'm still like, I'm pretty deeply depressed. And I think a big part of it though, is that I've been stretching myself too thin. I've been doing too much, you know, cause the thing is I want to be able to meet with every single person that wants to meet with me. And I want to be able to have a deep and thoughtful conversation with every single person. And I'm just starting to realize more and more that I can't. I'm just, I'm limited. I'm one person. I have kids. I have three kids that need my attention. And and I have to take care of myself. I'm like, I, I do have depression. And right now it's been, um, I've been having to put more effort into managing it because it's just been getting out of control. And this past week, um, I got sick. Sean got sick. Our youngest got sick and now he has an ear infection in both ears. And it's just been, it's been really rough. And I'm so thankful to all the people who, um, I've had to cancel on. Um, just every single person was so understanding and gracious about it and saying, you know, you need to take care of yourself. And it's funny cause that's, it's so true. And that's what I say to other people. We need to take care of ourselves. And yet I haven't been doing that with myself. It's like, I expect that I should be some kind of superhuman and be able to take on everything and not get tired. <laughs> and <laughs> the truth is I'm exhausted. I am so tired. And I want optimistically depressed to be something that lasts. So if I want this to be something that lasts, I have to go at it in a way that I reserve my energy so that I can be in it for the long haul. So one of the things I'm going to do to change this is we're going to go down to doing, for now, we're going to go down to doing one podcast a week. And I'm going to be rearranging my podcast schedule because right now I will be doing, you know, three or four podcasts a night or three or four podcasts a week, which means three or four nights of the week I'm doing podcasting, which, um, even though I love it, like I love hearing everyone's story. Um, it's just not realistic for me to be doing that 
three or four nights of the week. I have my kids that need me and Sean also needs me. Like I need to be able to be more present with the family and help with bedtime. So I'm going to be rearranging that schedule. Doesn't mean that I'm going to, that I'm not going to want to hear from everyone and hear your story. Um, it just means that, and like for those of you who have been on a podcast, usually I do them at seven o'clock in the evening. Now I'm going to be trying to kind of arrange it. So I do like one after the other. So I have one evening a week of podcasts. So there's a little bit about of what is kind of going on for me, how I'm trying to rearrange, how I'm trying to rearrange my schedule so that it makes more sense. And so that I can, that, so I'm not going to completely burn myself out, which is currently happening. I actually sat on the couch today at four and then passed out. I actually could not control it. It was, and this has been happening consistently. (laughs) So it's a problem and I need to fix it. And it definitely doesn't help my depression. Um, yeah, so that's that I'm growing, I'm figuring things out. I'm going to have to make some changes and, um, and that's okay. It's okay. And I just want to thank all of you in advance for being so understanding because it's one thing that I've noticed more and more with this, um, sorry, with this community is just that everybody is so wonderful. Like everyone's so wonderful and so understanding. And I'm just really grateful for all of you. And, uh, you know, if you, um, if you listen to this podcast and it's been helping you, it would do me, it would really, really help me if you could go on iTunes and rate and review it. You can't rate and review it on Spotify, but on iTunes you can. So if, if you can do that for me, that helps me out huge. It makes it so that the podcast is more easily findable. And you know, my, my ideal is that I'll get some more sponsors so that I can, um, start to be able to basically afford to pay people to do more things around my house so that I can spend more time working on podcast stuff, because I believe that this is really important and, um, and it, it needs my time and I need to find a way to make more time for it. Uh, so yeah, please rate, review, um, subscribe and spread the word. Tell your friends. I would be so grateful if you did. So I got to interview Joel. Um, he is the guy behind Tranquility. It's an app. Um, and it's, um, it's online and you basically have, like therapy, it's a cognitive behavioral therapy that you do online. So you can adjust it to your own schedule. And I've been doing it. Um, and I'm not, I'm not done all of it yet. I've just started, but it's been amazing. Like it's been really good. Like it, because you know, you can do it based on your own time, right? You're not looking to, you don't have to like explain to your boss if you have to leave in the middle of the day to go to therapy that you have to leave because you have therapy. If you want to have this, like have that as something that's a bit more personal and you don't feel like sharing that with someone, then you don't have to because you can do it at home. And the questions are like really insightful. It's, uh, I didn't realize like for myself personally, I didn't realize that 
I had as much anxiety as I do <laughs> until I started answering some of those questions and going through like just going through it. And it's been really healthy actually, because it triggered a lot of work that I've been doing on myself and it's just been helping me to better take care of myself. So, um, I like, it's a really good thing. And so Joel and I talked a bit about that and we talked about other stuff. Um, and I, it was a really interesting conversation. I really enjoyed it. Joel is wonderful. Like I really, he's so wonderful. I really enjoyed, um, spending some time with him, getting to know him a bit. And, um, he's so like, he really creates a safe space where you can just kind of talk and say whatever, and you're not going to feel judged. It was really good. I really enjoyed it. So I hope that all of you enjoy it too. And again, I, I just appreciate all of you so much. I hope that you know that. And I'm looking forward to talking with you more and making this just something that lasts as long as it needs to. Okay. I love all of you and enjoy this interview. Cool. <laughs> oh yeah, so it's recording. So but, it's recording now. Okay. Yeah. And we'll just kind of start it in whenever, whenever we start. Whenever it gets interesting. Whenever we start making sense. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense, yeah. That's a good yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah, So, but hey everybody. I guess we're starting now. Okay. Yeah. Hey everybody. Hey <laughs> I'm everybody. Here. Hey everybody. I'm here with Joel. Um and where do you want to start? Like I'm here with Joel. I oh, know you're the host. Oh, right. <laughs> How are you That's doing? right. I'm good. I'm, uh, you know what? I'm, I've been having a rough time. Okay. But in, in a good way. What does it yep. mean? It means that I've been looking back on some specific instances of abuse from my past and talking about them with one particular person who has created a safe space and it's been a very painful and healing process. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of work to do that kind of stuff, but like, so much work. is this, is this kind of the first time kind of that you're like really yeah, doing really that? Yeah. Digging into it. Yeah. 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 So that, how you're feeling makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's been like, I've had like, so yesterday I went through a lot of feeling like I just wanted to rip all my skin off, you know? Mm-hmm. And today it was more feeling like I've been punched in the gut. <laughs> um, but also just like feel, feeling really grateful for the life that I have now and the fact that I'm surrounded by people and resources that can help me with these things. Mm-hmm. Is... Is this a, a friend or is this like a professional or a friend? Cool. I've so okay. So actually, this is something that is kind of cool because it it ties in with the Tranquility app. Cool. Um. So I've gone to professionals before, mm-hmm. and I haven't actually found them to be that helpful. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it is because um, I think it's just because it's like I'm concerned about my image, mm-hmm. so I don't want them to think that I'm a freak. 
So I'm. Well, you know what they say. They say if you think you're crazy, you should know how fucked up your psychologist is. <laughs> you know what? I haven't heard that, and I love it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like I don't know this for a fact, but I I I feel like most people get into that kind of work probably because they've gone through some stuff and they've been helped, which is like same thing as why I'm doing what I'm doing, right? It's yeah. Like, um, if I have a client and they think they're going to tell me something that makes me like be judgmental, it's kind of like, well, you should come visit my brain every once in a while too. <laughs> like we're probably pretty close to the same place. Like, <laughs> and I love that. And you know what? That actually kind of helps change things for me. Helps me feel a little bit more safe. Yeah. So I started doing, I've started going through some of the questions on the, on the tranquility app. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I really liked about it was the fact that I'm doing it online and at my own pace. Yeah. And also that it does feel a little anonymous. Yeah. <laughs> like, cause I'm not sitting and looking at a person in the face while I'm trying to like dig into some of the darkest areas of my soul, <laughs> you know? I think so we haven't launched yet and, um, I guess we haven't even described what it is yet, but I have a question for you. Yeah. Because we want to offer kind of like the best service possible, obviously, but with the most intimacy, which is scary too. But yeah. So in other words, like we will include, you're gonna, if you're doing the coaching version of it, you have a coach and you can um, talk to them either through like live video chat, phone, or like in-app text. Yeah. I haven't done that. No, yeah, exactly. So you're doing the self-help one. And in, if you want to, in the future, once we launch, have a coach, you can totally do that. We'll, we'll hook you up. But um, I feel like, and so for me, some of, the, of our comp- competitors only do like texting or they'll even, they'll call it like texting. But really what it is, is like you can send a message and someone will get back to you like within like 48 hours. Okay. Which for me feels like it's going to take you two weeks to have a conversation that could take 10 minutes. Yeah. Right? right. But I think there are also, I think I'm going to find that a lot of people are going to use it in a less intimate way, which is only do the texting. Cause it's just like this, even though you know, it's another human being and, and if you're afraid of judgment, like theoretically they could be judging you just like anyone else was there's a certain separation that exists that makes it safer. Yeah. Like, I like, know what you mean. Yeah. Like, so, for example, if there are things you're writing down on tranquility right now, um, I mean, I have, there's only, there's only really your coach and then there's like me who has access to everything. But mm-hmm. I haven't I haven't looked at at your profile or anything. So like it's not completely anonymous, right? Right. Which is kind of the point because the coaching will help you work through that. Right. But you might be putting down things that you're like a little shy about or that you wouldn't want to admit to anyone. Yeah. Even knowing that someone might look at this, but the distance of like not saying it right in front of my face and having a reaction and it's just so much easier, right? Yeah. And I think that's the thing, not having the reaction Mm. because there's sometimes like things that you're just kind of like, 
you feel like if you like there are certain things that like I recently told my mom. Okay. Like I recently told my well, kind of recently told my mom that I'm depressed, that I've been diagnosed with depression, even though it's been seven years, almost seven years. I was terrified mm-hmm. to tell my mom because I'd feel mm-hmm. like she would feel like she's let me down and I didn't want that reaction. And then I started medication for it like a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to tell her that either. Mm-hmm. Because again, I didn't want her to feel like I had let her, that like she had let me down. Okay. Of course, when I finally got up the nerve to tell her, she was amazing mm-hmm. and was like, yeah, it was just, she was totally normal. But it's like, but you, it's just the, you build it up in your head, like just the reaction. You don't want to see that reaction. Yeah. Um, and that goes to the, and so I guess maybe we can get into this and then I, and then we can talk about whatever you want to talk about, but in terms of what tranquility is, and I think it's a good segue because our like our goal and the way I've always pitched it is I kind of have like these five pillars, mm-hmm. which is we want to make getting help for anxiety. And because we're on optimistically depressed, I'll give a little preview to the public, which I've never said this publicly before, but we're also going to be building a depression version of it as well. Okay, awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, so but so okay. we, our goal is to make getting help for anxiety and depression, five pillars, affordable, timely, stigma-free, personal, and accessible. So the stigma-free part there, too, is helpful, right? So there's yeah. a lot of people who, there's a lot of reasons why a lot of people wouldn't want to go see a psychologist. Like, one of them is what you're talking about. Another one is maybe you don't want to tell your boss that you, for the next 12 weeks, you're going to be leaving for three hours on Monday. And maybe you don't want to be afraid of showing up to a clinic where you might see someone else from another place. And then you start wondering, they're going to start thinking I'm crazy or something because <laughs> I'm seeing a psychologist, yes. which is like, I think everyone should see a psychologist. But I, I totally agree. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. yeah, it's amazing. But um. That's just where we are right now. And hopefully we can make a lot of progress. And I think we are because I think your kids, like, they're just going to grow up. I see people, I go to high school, not I go to high schools, but I've gone to a few high schools and giving talks. And I hear, I have friends who are teachers and they're talking about what they're doing and how open all their kids are about it. And it's just like a complete, complete like 180 versus like how I grew up. And just to like talk about your experience about telling your mom like my story is I got really anxious and depressed in grade 12 Mm -hmm. and my fear and the stigma about it was so bad that the only way I could do anything about it and tell the first person was I had to essentially have a stomach ache for four months every single day for four months oh my goodness then drive myself crazy about it and then get anxious and depressed about it and then the only way I could like put this out into the world was I had to write it down in like a two page like story of what happened and then like work up the nerve to one morning show up at school walk into my council like the school counselor's office which I'd never done before because I was always afraid of going in there Mm -hmm. leaving someone seeing me and thinking something what's wrong with Joel whatever it is yeah so so but I couldn't even do that I had to I walked in sat down and said, I don't know how to say this. So here it is. And I just gave him the piece of paper. And he just like sat there and read it and like looked up and was like, wow, Joel, like this is a quite a story. <laughs> uh, does anyone know about this? No. 
okay, like you deserve an Oscar for acting because what I just read and the fact that no one's noticed in the way like you've been acting in the last four months, like there's zero indication that there's anything wrong with you. Wow. Yeah. So the stigma part is huge for us in terms yeah. of just like breaking down that barrier. Yes. It's so important. And that's like a huge thing for me. Mm-hmm. I want to break down that barrier. Yeah. And so I, I was kind of surprised when you told me like it took me seven years to tell my mom and then you have this podcast. I'm like, well, what did you do? Like, I'm going to start a podcast, mom. Oh, cool. What's it going to be about? Um, Depression. <laughs> Why? Why? Why are you gonna talk about that? <laughs> Thing is, uh, I've been depressed for the last seven years. We can laugh about it now, but it's it's like must have been really painful. It was incredibly painful. It yeah, take, it takes a lot of energy to fake it. Oh my gosh, it takes so much energy. I was exhausted, and I would like. I would, there was like a certain, like it was stressful talking to her because I didn't Mm. want to like accidentally let anything slip, you know? So was, was this like very specific to your mom or like, had you told like 20 other people and you, it took you that long to tell your mom or was your mom the first person you told and it just took that long or whatever? Mm, She was the third person in my family that I told. Okay. And I told my brother and sister first and, but like they're in Ontario and so many people, most people here in Halifax knew Okay, like the people right here. Like, and I think that part of it was because I didn't feel like I had to carry the person that I was in Ontario with me here. I could be more true to myself when I was here. So you showed, when you, when you showed up here in Halifax, you had already been suffering some from this uh quite honestly yeah i had i had depression when i was in high school yeah and didn't realize it i thought that it was because of my like situation Mm -hmm. but it was and like so like i had a rough home life okay and so i was kind of like okay that would be why i was so depressed right and then i got out of it and was relieved Mm -hmm. for a while yeah and then it came back because that's when you have depression, yeah. it comes back. <laughs> so, yeah. And you can leave a situation, but some of the things have already become patterns. Yes. Yeah. The patterns. Yeah. So, because it can, I mean, so leaving the situation can help, but, um, and that's the thing that sucks about mental illness is like how little we know. Like we know more about the surface of Mars than we know how the human brain works. That is insane. Yeah. So it's like, well, nurture versus nature and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so your upbringing has a huge, huge effect on how you become an adult. Mm-hmm. And uh and that's and a lot of mental illness is kind of probably uh, it's what's the right word for it triggered by trauma all these different kind of traumas and 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 it's not just like uh, intense trauma it could also be just like the first ten years of your life like these are the things that I as a six year old had to 
change to make sure I was safe in that situation. Mm-hmm. And then you just grow up and you think that's normal or, or that becomes normal to you. Mm-hmm. And then you realize, especially like you leave and you come somewhere different and you're still stuck in the same patterns. And you're like, some of these patterns are really unhelpful, but and all this kind of stuff. And that's how, I guess that, that's like how therapy can be really helpful. Because if you don't know what you don't know, then you can't do anything about it. Yes. And there were so many things that like, like I've been on this journey, obviously, like just for, for a long time, right? Mm-hmm. Like I've been want, like I've had that feeling like there's something off. There's something that's not going properly. I need to address this. I need to figure out what it is and address this. And I remember having so many conversations and it still happens now, but it's lessening, mm-hmm. I think. But where someone would kind of say, you know, they would just talk about a certain thought pattern. Okay. And I would be listening to it and I'd just be like, wait, what? Like, you mean it's, that's a thought pattern that you can just have? <laughs> like, <laughs> what's an example? I, so like, um, like, okay. Like, uh, the whole, um, when you mess up, you know, when you make a mistake, yeah, it's just like the whole, like, instead of being like, I'm a terrible person right. because I messed that up. It's like now I've learned a way to not do something. Mm-hmm. And now I can actually use that as a stepping stone right. to get closer to accomplishing what it is that I'm trying to accomplish. Yeah. It reminds me of something that I've been, I like to use this example and I don't know. It, it's, it's not like I made it up, but, but I, I think I came to the conclusion on my own and mm-hmm. I realized that, like for me, when it comes to anxiety, the most terrifying thing is public speaking. Okay. Um, and I'm like an amateur mu- musician, but have hardly sh- really shared that with the world because it makes me really anxious. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm a lot better now, but especially growing up, like talk, talking about like your mom and not telling her, like when I was in high school, I tried out for, I tried out for singing and I played guitar in a high school grade 12 band. And I told my mom one night, I'm going to, I'm going to try out for singing. And she was like really surprised. Like what? And I was like, Oh wow. She had never heard me sing before. Cause whenever I sang, I was in my basement alone doing it. I was like, well, mom, you've heard me sing before. Like, I'm sure you can hear me from upstairs. She's like, well, not really. Like I can't really. So if, if I was ever playing guitar and singing and she opened the door f- to the basement, I would just stop. That's how like, that's how much essentially social anxiety has affected like my life. Wow. Yeah. Um, sorry, but I, I lost track of my point. My point is, is in terms of like thought patterns and how one person can have one thought pattern about one situation and someone else can have someone else as something else. My favorite example is you could have two people that are about to get on a stage. You could ask both, both of them the same question. How do you feel right now? Mm-hmm. One of them could go, I'm so excited. I'm so excited to have these butterflies in my stomach. Oh, my God. This is going to be amazing. Yeah. The other person could say, I am terrified. I have this like deep, dark pit in my stomach. I think I'm going to puke. And they could both be actually physically feeling the same thing they just have a different interpretation of that situation whoa yeah it's weird so they're just one of them one, one of them's like this feeling feels dangerous to me and the other one's like i'm about to like kill this i'm so excited that 
actually just blew my mind. <laughs> yeah, it's weird because if we can learn to change that, we can change that feeling to a good feeling. Like we thought we were having a bad feeling, but this is actually a good feeling that I'm having. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's it's weird. <laughs> and it's sad that so many people are having the same feeling and having one of them is having a very negative response. The other one's having a really positive one. That is amazing. Mm. Yes. And and what's cool about that, I guess, is that that's kind of exactly what cognitive behavioral therapy is about, which is what we're doing at Tran- Tranquility. Yeah, which I love. Yeah. I think that that's something that I really need. And I think that's something that everybody really needs. Because, like, how often, like, just the way that our society is built is to make it so that we get this wrong, these wrong messages in our brain that are on a track that just we get into this pattern. Yeah. Yeah. How, how society is built is a problem. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was listening to, I think it was your latest episode. And the whole time I was just kind of like, oh, this, if this conversation comes up, it's going to open up a whole can of worms that I don't know if I want to go down that road. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but. But, okay, go. <laughs> uh, let's, let's open the worms. Well, it's difficult to really figure out, but yeah, I mean, our society is structured in a certain way and we're kind of stuck in, in patterns as a society. So um, I think his name was Michael. Uh, I'm, he was talking about um, like people were kind of t- t- taught that, you know, you're a kid then you grow up, you go to high school, you go to university, whatever it is. And then you get a job and you do this, you do that. You get the, you get the house, you get the kids, blah, blah, blah. You're happy, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, but when you, when you really think about it, a lot of the things that are value when you become an adult is all about how productive are you? Yeah. So it's like if you're not – and productive is measured by like output, which equals money. Yeah. So it's like, how much money do you make? So what's the mo- what's the thing that will give you the most money? But is that an actual real value that people are born with? I would say absolutely not. When you're born, you're like a blank slate, but you have instincts and your instincts are like, I need to eat, uh, feel safe, um, all the other things. Mm-hmm. And you grow up and slowly these things are like ingrained into you. Like you need to make a bunch of money so that you can buy these things so they can be happy, which is just really like commercials telling us that if we get these things or we look this way, we're going to be happy, mm. which typically doesn't work because yeah. it has to come from inside somewhere. Yes. Yeah. I, I haven't figured that part out yet. I'm working on it though. <laughs> <laughs> Man. <laughs> Me too. Um, but, uh, but I'm not, like, naive about it. I'm like, it doesn't matter how much money I'll ever have. That's not the thing that's going to make me happy. It's going to be finding success in some way and having people that I really care about to share it with. Mm. Um, and so when people ask me what the what's the point of tranquility is just, like, to help as much people as possible. Yeah. If I do that, then I don't think I have to ever worry about the money part. I love that. I love that it's going towards building a community, a new community. Mm -hmm. You know, that's like, I've grown up 
like I, you know, of course, yes, I like I was abused, but um, there were also a lot of really wonderful, wonderful people that I had in my life. And, um, and I wouldn't change, I wouldn't change any of it. Um, there were a lot of aspects, um, when I grew up where it was kind of like, I find that, uh, one part, like, so I grew up religious Okay. and one part of it was Jesus loves all of us. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that's one thing that you're taught, but then it's kind of like, but you better not be this, 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 this. Right. And so it's kind of like, I kind of grew up with this idea that you, you want to fit a certain community, right? Like it's kind of like you want to mold yourself so that you fit into a certain community so that you can belong because you want to belong. Right. Of course. And now that I'm starting optimistically depressed and, you know, uh, the things that have been on my mind over the past several years now has made me realize that if I'm a part of a community, and this is not specific to religious communities, um, but just if I'm a part of a community that is exclusive, Mm. then that's going against who I want to be. So I want to help create a community that is very open to the way that different people think and the convictions that different people have, because that's, I believe the best way that you can create a world that is more ideal. Yeah. And I kind of forget where I was going with that. (laughs) Well, I mean, having a podcast is definitely a good way to, to, to start doing that. Thank you. I, that's the first step I could think of. Good. So, yeah. Well, do you have a second step? Yeah, I do. Have you shared? Did are you gonna are you sharing that yet? Not yet. Okay. I can share it to you when the mics are off. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not public knowledge yet. But yeah, I do. I have a couple more steps in mind. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. And yeah, it would it would be cool if like optimistically depressed could create a community where other like where people just support each other. Yeah. You know, like right Mm -hmm. now I'm wanting to be here so that other people can kind of like talk and I'm, I am not a professional. Neither am I. (laughs) (laughs) But it's more just like to have just a non, a non judgmental ear that's just willing to hear your story. Yeah. And so that's what I, so that's what I'm wanting to be for anyone who wants to reach out. Yeah. And then (laughs) I missed the first time. Then I hit the second time. (laughs) That's amazing. Um, but, uh, it would be amazing to see the people in the community start to reach out to each other and like share like the stories with each other and helping each other. Mm -hmm. Like how how cool would that be? Yeah. That'd That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. And, and I kind of feel like that's what you're doing too. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a future feature that we want to include in the application itself is yeah. like right now it's, it's essentially going through nine different modules based on cognitive behavioral therapy and then having a coach. But we want to include a, a like peer to peer aspect to it too. Because that's that's kind of ev- even like your comment about seeing a therapist mm-hmm. and how that made you feel like they were going to judge you or whatever. Yeah. The more 
we have these conversations and realize that like we don't even have to put labels on them like I have an anxiety disorder or I have this this mood disorder we all like are having some version of these thoughts some of them some people are lucky where they just have one day and then it goes away and then they're back to good but some people are stuck in those loops but if society was a place where you're allowed not to be okay all the time. Like, I feel like there's this thing where you're, everyone's supposed to be awesome all the time. Yeah. And that's actually not normal because like life, if there's a definition of life, it's literally like a struggle to live. Oh, um, whoa. Well, it's, and I had this conversation and it was only two years ago. It was the first time someone told me that. I, you know, we're just chatting one of my friends and he's like, you know, Joel, life's not supposed to be easy. And I was like, huh? <laughs> it's like, yeah, like life is actually supposed to be hard. And I was like, oh, damn. I think I've been watching too much like TV. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. by design, it actually is supposed to be, it's a struggle. Like, and we've come like such a long way as a human race that, especially if you live in Canada, like we have all these benefits that there isn't a ton of people who the first thing they think about when they wake up is like, how am I going to have my next meal? Like the mm. vast majority of the population doesn't have that problem. Yeah. Um, but we've created this whole other beast where for some reason, we're fine. We're struggling. A lot of us are, str- are struggling to find fulfillment in some kind of way. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's a long conversation and goes down the rabbit hole of a bunch of different different ways. But uh, it's it's very interesting. And mental health is seems to be a topic of conversation that is kind of extremely timely at this point. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's amazing what what you said before about um, it that life is not supposed to be easy and that right. it's okay to not be okay. Yeah, that was actually um, that was actually something that I was repeating to myself over and over the other week when I was having a, like. So I recently got my medication adjusted. Okay, I needed to have one of my so I'm on two different medications. I had to have one of them increased. Mm-hmm. Because I was just, I was really not okay. Mm-hmm. And so I was starting to have suicidal thoughts. Okay. And so this one day I was like having an anxiety attack mm-hmm. and I had to just stand there and I had to say over and over to myself, like, it's okay to not be okay. Because like one of the first things that I start thinking when I'm starting to have an anxiety attack, which I don't actually have them regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, I only recently started having them. Uh, and I think it's just because I've started to like kind of go back and sort through some stuff from the past. Right. Um, but one of the first things that like comes into my mind and I think is probably pretty common is this thought like, I'm not okay. It's not okay. This is not okay. And so I had to tell myself it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. And then that really helped calm myself down a little yeah because it was just like it's okay to not be okay 
this is okay. It's okay that I'm feeling this way right now. And like to just like, it's more of the idea of riding the wave, which I never really understood. Right. Until I started to actually experience it and then I did it. I was like, oh, this is what riding the wave is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This winter I had a really tough time too. And um, I realized that there was a certain part of me that wasn't able to accept it. Mm. I was like, no, this is not happening right now. Like I thought I'd figured all this stuff out. And I was just doing so much better. And then this situation happened and it pulled me down. And I was just like in complete denial. Like, no, like resisting. Like, this is not happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know that feeling. Mm. I think maybe that's why, I, I think that might be why I struggled a lot this winter too. Because it was like, no, I, I have this stuff figured out now. Yeah. What do you mean I don't feel okay? Like, I, I'm not affected by the winter (laughs) i'm like i'm okay yeah yeah it's like i said life isn't always easy no and i love the idea that it's not meant to be yeah that's relieving because you don't feel like such a freak for it being so hard yeah and if it was just like really easy then um I mean, there wouldn't be anything to do. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Where would poets be? Yeah. So, uh, (laughs) I was, I was getting an adjustment at the chiropractor last week and there was like two people at the front desk and there was a song playing and one of the people at the front desk was like, wow, like this, uh, this songwriter or this singer really has some issues or, or something like that it's like it's really messed up and then she kind of walked away and i said to the other one I'm not sure what she's talking about like if this person was a normal person this song would be extremely boring <laughs> <laughs> like w- where like art wouldn't exist yes <laughs> amen yeah yeah like trust me every single artist you know is going through some shit Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to their music. Yeah. Like, oh, the sun came out today and there's clouds and it's beautiful. Who wants to listen to that shit? Yeah. <laughs> not me. Yeah, I'm not interested. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay, so you said that you've had anxiety. Yeah. And you had it in high school. Yeah. So when did it, when did you first notice it was happening? Yeah, good question. So... I guess I probably wouldn't characterize it that way. I would characterize it that I've always, pretty much always had anxiety. Like okay. I, I was always an anxious kid, always a shy kid. Um, so yeah, if you want to hear some like, this is the part that I really haven't deconstructed yet. I still don't really 100% understand it, but I think it'd be interesting to talk about. Yeah. Which is when I was, I'm going to guess between the ages of like five and eight. One thing that would happen would be um, I really hated like essentially going to bed Mm -hmm. Um, because that was a time where like I was left alone and undistracted and I would have these thoughts that I didn't want to have. Essentially, like it's almost like a fear of having thoughts that I don't want to have, which I think if you would characterize them is very similar to having obsessive compulsive disorder. So I just had these like intrusive thoughts that freaked me out that I didn't want to have. And these thoughts were like, 
kind of strange. Things like I didn't want to think about the fact that there could be like spiders or scorpions or something like that. Right. There was like one day I was introduced to what the Ouija board was. Oh. And it freaked, for some reason, it like freaked me out. Oh, freaked me out too. It freaked me out. And I don't know why. Okay. But there was like this thing for like probably like, it might have been one or two years where like, and, it, and it's weird because it turns into this thing. It's this thing that freaks you out. And then the freaking you out part doesn't even matter anymore. It's just this feeling of, I don't want to think about that anymore. And the feeling of, I don't want to think that anymore makes you think about it more. Right. And then I couldn't sleep because I didn't want to do that. So I had all these different things. And then what would, hap- what would happen would be, be like I didn't want to go to bed and then I couldn't fall asleep and then I would like start crying or whatever and then I'd ask my mom to come in and then she would like have to sleep next to my bed and it was just this huge struggle of not being able to fall asleep Hmm. I still really understand what that was about um but that's like definitely like the first huge indication of like something's not right here and um I really wish I really regret that my parents didn't see that and realize that there's something wrong, but like something, there's something not normal, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't mean, there's no really like using the word normal and not normal, but you know, there might be something that we should check out with this Joel character that we have living in our house. <laughs> <laughs> like we should get this checked out. Like this is not normal. Right. Um, so that, you know, eventually I grew that, thank God. But, um, that was kind of like the first major indication that something was going on. Okay. Yeah. And then most, then after that, it's like a lot of, a a lot of social anxiety, just being shy. Um, and worrying more than most kids would about stuff. Yeah. Um, and then, um, I grew up when I was going from grade primary to grade eight, we had like nine people in my grade. I grew up in a tiny village in Amiros Hill, which is outside of Tuskit, which is outside of Yarmouth, which is three hours from Halifax. <laughs> <laughs> so there's like nine people in my class. And then we, we went, I went to high school. So then it was like only still like 40 or 50 people. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. But when I went to high school, things changed quite a bit because you go from having like, there's four guys, uh, four guys and five girls for those first eight years. So we were all just friends and we all were pretty like similar. And then you go to a high school and then people kind of branch off a bit and I didn't really fit in and I was bullied a lot. So that became a huge thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and then in grade 12, um, there was a situation where, uh, had this became really close friends with this girl and she had always had a boyfriend and then she broke up with him because she liked me and I think I'm realizing now that it was probably more my biggest problem is always guilt so I think I felt extremely guilty about the fact that I had broken up a relationship with someone else Mm -hmm. and that's when like that was the first time my stomach started hurting and then it, it literally did not stop hurting for four months but it was the same situation where it was same situation of, of like the OCD type obsessive thought part where there's nothing physically wrong with my stomach. I know that now, 
but at the time I was freaking out because my stomach hurt every day. I was like, what is it? Is it this? Is it like, is it an ulcer? Or is it cancer? Or is it this? Yeah. But what it really was, was I could wake up every morning and I, and my stomach wouldn't hurt until I had the thought of, oh, does my stomach hurt today? And as soon as I had that stomach, uh, that, <laughs> that thought, <laughs> yeah. my stomach would hurt. Whoa. And then it would just go on and like eventually like lost my appetite to the point where, and then it comes to the stigma part where like, so my stomach hurts, so I don't have much of an appetite, but I go to school and I'm sitting at a, um, a table with eight other people and everyone's just eating. And I'm like, I don't really feel like I can eat right now, but I need to pretend I'm going to eat because if I'm not eating every day, people are going to start asking questions about what's wrong with Joel. And then it goes into that whole thing. So I'm like trying to eat, do my best to eat, but I'm like feeling nauseous and it's just like a huge thing. And then that's the first time I got depressed. So like I became extremely anxious and then I got really depressed and got really dark. And then I had to show up to my counselor's office with a page explaining all that. That was kind of the, that's the, that's the long story short version of what happened to me till grade 12. And then I kind of, um, back to the stigma, the stigma was so bad that one of my biggest fears of me becoming this person who now is depressed and anxious was the fact that I couldn't think straight anymore. So I was extremely distracted. Uh, one example of what I describe as what like depression can feel like is being in a class of 30 people, someone saying a joke, everyone else laughing, you being in your own little world and be like, Oh, everyone's laughing. I need to laugh now. Laugh. And I'm not even sure what the joke was, but I just pretended to laugh so that I didn't stick out. Mm. Um, so I wasn't paying attention to class anymore. And I'm like, was an extremely smart student. So it wasn't normal for me to be like this. Mm-hmm. So, I was like, my biggest fear, one of my biggest fears was, what if I'm so depressed that I can't write exams anymore? And then, always the biggest fear, everyone will know. So after I talked to my counselor, and then he called my mom, and they're like, you guys should probably go see a doctor, and we did all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I told I told him, like, this is my biggest fear. Like what? And then he was like, well, maybe we should talk to your teachers. So I talked. He brought in every teacher. I explained the situation that I am not in any shape or form able to write exams. So can you please take the grades I have so far as my final mark? And by the way, I also want to show up to my exams and pretend to write them so that no one knows. Because if I just... It was such a small class. Like, all the, all the classes were so small that if I didn't show up for class, they would ask me, like, people, my friends would be like, oh, like, you weren't there for your final exam. Like, where were you? And I would have to come up with an excuse. And then I was afraid I had to tell them what was going on. Yeah. So, like, huge amount of guilt and shame over the whole situation. Wow. Yeah. Then I moved to Halifax. And, uh, like, I had been put on medication. And that's, I think that's why I'm doing what I'm doing now is because... Part of my problem was, well, the system is broken. So I had set up a um, session with a psychologist. And I think it was probably like nine months later. So in the meantime, it's kind of like I started a medication and it started working. 
And then I finally got that appointment and then I had to leave. Then I went to Halifax. So I didn't, the medication solved my symptoms, but I wasn't able to work through my problems. Yeah. So eventually, kind of like, kind of like just like you, like eventually, although things got better, things eventually caught up with me and then I had to do something about it. And then I did therapy. Mm-hmm. But also at the same time, realized how difficult it is to find someone to do that with. So it's still, it, it was still a huge wait list and all this, all this different stuff. Yeah. But eventually did it and it was extremely helpful. And um, I guess to just catch you up to present day, it's kind of like f- kicked ass at university. It was the best four years of my life. Then um, found a job as a stock analyst, which is exactly what I thought I wanted to do and did that for six years but eventually burnt out of that job. And that's when I finally did therapy and realized that's not what I want to do. And by the way, this was extremely helpful, but it's extremely difficult for other people to get it. So maybe I should try making that more easy for other people. And that leads me into this basement recording a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that is like, when you said that, it made my whole stomach warm. Oh, and just, that's good. Yeah. It's a good feeling, right? It was a good feeling. <laughs> I interpret that was, It wasn't the other one. It was a good feeling. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't like I was going to throw up. Yeah. <laughs> it was like I was going to... I was smiling on the inside. Excellent. I was smiling with my soul. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah. That was beautiful. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I... Yeah. I love that, um, mm. that you're using an experience that you've really struggled through as an, an inspiration to make other people's lives a little better. Yeah. Because, and I think that's the reason why I'm able to, because I promise you that starting a startup is the most difficult thing I've ever done. And it's like, if it wasn't for, ironically, it's like not the, passion for it that motivates me it's the pain that motivates me it's Mm -hmm. like i need to do this for other people if i don't then there's all this pain that's going to exist and i know how much i could have used this when i was 16 and too afraid to tell anyone if i if i would like i actually did at one point i remember and the internet wasn't what it is today when i was 16 but I remember now that I emailed like this doctor in the US who was like an expert in OCD. I'm like, email that person. This is what's going on with me. What do you think? Is this OCD? And of course, as he should have, he was like, like, I can't help you. Like there's, this is not, this is not like protocol for me to be answering, telling you what she, what you have <laughs> diagnosing you over email. Um, so, but if tranquility would have existed, then, I mean, it's probably good and probably bad because, you know, part of the problem was that I I didn't talk about it. So it would have, it would have been extremely helpful, but at the same time, it was also extremely helpful that I I had to hit rock bottom to be able to tell people. Mm. Yeah. I had to hit rock bottom in order to tell people as well. Yeah. 
it was like, so the first person, I think the first person I told aside from Sean yeah. about the depression was my brother. Mm-hmm. And it was cause I was just, I was so afraid and, um, but it was like, he lived in Halifax at the time okay. and the rest of my family, aside from one cousin who I'm also very close with. Um, but the rest of my family was in Ontario mm-hmm. and I was just kind of thinking like, it was like my brother was a representative of my family, you mm-hmm. know? And so mm-hmm. I just remember is driving with him one night and then I was just like, I got diagnosed with depression. And like before that he had noticed that I lost a lot of weight. Okay. So I think he kind of was like, there's something going on. Mm-hmm. And so when I told him he wasn't shocked or anything even though I was very good at giving the impression that I was really happy and upbeat all the time. Yeah. And there were other people that I eventually told who were shocked because they were just like, you were not like a depressed, like I wasn't what they imagined a depressed person would be like, Mm -hmm. which I think is like, I think that's so normal. Oh, absolutely. People are always extremely surprised when I tell them that I'm very, a very shy person. Mm. And that's usually because they've gotten to know me. And once I get to know someone, then I might become loud and annoying. (laughs) 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 But but at first, I'm terrified of introducing myself to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, And then people see me like as the CEO of a startup, like part of my jobs, which I hate, is the fact that I have to go on stage and do these pitches and all this kind of stuff like a month ago, I was in San Francisco. I flew to San Francisco just to pitch to investors. And this is someone who literally would avoid taking any class that required any oral presentations in university and um, high school, which is actually part of my pitch. One of the best parts <laughs> about doing what I do is I get to start my pitch with telling the audience that I'm extremely nervous. That's amazing. <laughs> but that I'm still here because cognitive behavioral therapy like allowed me and taught me that like you have to just like expose yourself to what you're afraid of. And so like, yes, I'm extremely nervous, but I'm here. And by the way, 10 years ago, I would have found a way out of talking to a class of my peers. But now I'm like asking you for a bunch of money. So, so then let's proof go. Of how yeah. Yeah. Effective. Exactly. Yeah. What you do is. And that's the thing. That's the thing, too. It's kind of like. Will tranquility or any therapy ever cure someone? Hmm. No, because anxiety is actually helpful. Um, Whoa. OK, yeah. Yeah. So we need to change our relationship with it a bit. So it's kind of like if uh, if you didn't have this uh, fight, flight or freeze response when a lion was about to attack to you, then you would have died and your genes wouldn't get passed on and and that's it. But the people who did have anxiety were able to either run or fight the lion and that's why it's helpful to us is we happen to live in a society where we're not really in danger of dying anymore. So most of the time our anxiety is completely counterproductive. Right. Like... <sighs> I really like telling this this story. It's not a story. It's and it's not even a fact because it's still a theory. But mm. one of the way of like justifying why I would be extremely anxious to get on stage and um, talking 
is the fact that like our hardwiring or some of us, some of our hardwiring is still based on like us living in tribes of 100 to 200 people um, 100,000 years ago. And as long as we did that, we were pretty like we were safe, like not safe like today, <laughs> but like <laughs> that's how you had to that's how you had to make sure that the predators didn't get you and that you could eat. Mm-hmm. So uh, you're the tribe can make a fire and you're protected, blah, 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 blah. Right. So essentially there's like two ways that there's like two main ways you're going to die. Like number one would be like the tribe gets attacked and you die. The other one is you get kicked out of the tribe. Mm-hmm. So there's a part of our wiring that's like, don't ever do anything to piss off like the tribe or the tribe leaders because if you do you'll get kicked out and if you get kicked out you're either not going to eat or you're going to get attacked so part of us has this like social stress response that it's like if you embarrass that's why we get embarrassed it's like oh no i'm gonna i'm embarrassed now it's like it's helpful and though it was helpful in those days like that's what stuff like you said something and you got embarrassed and you and it made you feel like shit you never did that again mm-hmm. and you stay in the tribe and the people who didn't have that response kept doing dumb shit all the time. They get kicked out and they died. <laughs> like, that's just how it works. I guess how evolution works, right? Right. But we still have that. And now it's not helpful. Like, it's not helpful if I'm embarrassed about talking about my feelings. But that's still something that was hardwired in me some, for some reason. So we got to almost gotta get over that somehow. We're not fully evolved yet for the 21st century. <laughs> <laughs> yeah blew my mind again yeah so it totally makes sense yeah yeah and so and so if you have so i almost wanted to interrupt you when you're telling that story about um your upbringing in like the church right okay. and like you had to be you're afraid of getting kicked out of that tribe that's what that's what it was right yeah yes and then and you either thought about it or you didn't think about it you you, you might have just not thought about it and there was just this like archaic part of your brain that knew that that's dangerous or if you thought about it you were kind of like well what happens if i don't fit in and then no one likes me and like this is the only people i know and just like you eventually find out that maybe like maybe you didn't want to be a part of that tribe you're gonna die this time right this version this 21st century version of you living in canada and ontario and not struggling to live and being afraid of being eaten by lions it didn't matter if you got kicked out of this tribe this time that's absolutely right. Yeah. But it's hard to justify that because your body just responds and, and you uh, having anxiety feels really shitty. So it, it almost doesn't matter. Like you, can, you can tell yourself, like, I'm not going to die if I get kicked out. But there's a bigger part of you that's like, this is horrible and it feels really crappy as it's happening. Yeah. And that's kind of what anxiety is. So that's what I meant by anxiety is not all bad. And we don't want to lose all of it because if we do, you might... Cry, uh, like start crossing the street without looking both ways <laughs> get hit by a car if you if you had zero anxiety like that would literally happen every day <laughs> yeah because you have to be yeah, afraid totally. like you have to be yeah. afraid of things that, could, that can kill you and a car can hit yeah, can kill you if you are crossing a street when the you know it's a red light right yeah um it's just there's a lot of when that's what an anxiety disorder is is when you feel anxious when you don't need to and then it's so bad that it's stopping you from doing things you want to do. 
right? Like that's, that, so anxiety is normal. Stress is normal. It becomes like not, again, I don't want to use the word normal, but becomes very disabling yeah. and it becomes a disorder when things are out of order, when it's stopping you from doing things that are good for you. I love that you just broke that down. Yeah. That's so helpful. It is. Well, and that's that's it really interesting too is like, for example, like module one in tranquility is just explains what anxiety is and yeah. it explains what how CBT is going to help. Mm-hmm. Some people have all these different feelings. They don't even know what it is yet. For some people, like just module one is enough to be like, oh, they could literally like they're lucky. They can literally go. This is just anxiety. Yeah. And then for them, that's enough. They're like, oh. And then when they feel anxious, they go, oh, this is, oh, I feel anxious now. I wonder why. Yeah. And that's enough. Okay. Because I, I wanted to say, when I started like module one, mm-hmm. and I was actually, when I was being asked like all these questions about anxiety, I was like, well, I'm not really anxious. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, the questions. Oh, okay. Yeah. Were so good Mm -hmm. that it made me realize I do have anxiety. It's just that I've done such a good job at avoiding the situations that I would be anxious in. So that blew my mind. Okay. That's, yeah. Cause that's a huge part of, this is what like the story told you about kind of how anxiety stems from, um, how we evolved from past tribes and stuff like I'm not an evolutionary biologist. So that's stuff that I'm I've read and that makes sense to me. And again, it's, it's not even proven. It's the best working theory we have for a lot of the kind of stuff, but I have, I haven't read this, but I kind of have this theory of my own that a lot of depression stems from anxiety. Cause what happens is, we become so anxious that we become really good at avoiding all these different things. And it's the fact that we're avoiding all these things that we want that stops us from getting the things we need. And now we're depressed because we don't have them. What? <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah, is like, right. like for me. So I'll just, I'll just talk about myself for me. Um, someone who has the vast majority of my anxiety is social anxiety which stops me from introducing myself to people, which also stops me from being really vulnerable and makes intimacy something that's scary to me, means that I've spent most of my life alone. And then loneliness eventually causes depression. Right. So like, that's kind of one way it works out for a lot of people, I think. That totally makes, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. So... This podcast is called Optimistically Depressed. Have you ever thought of yourself as someone who has anxiety or not at all? I have. Okay. But I thought that I was mostly over it. Oh, okay. But it was because I was just unknowingly, unwittingly avoiding all those situations. But I was being forced into enough of them. Yeah. That I was managing to fool myself. Right. And then all of a sudden it was just like, oh. But look at all these other situations that I just have been not not putting myself in that I need to put myself in mm-hmm. that are necessary, but I've been avoiding. And then it was like, and then when I was thinking about about these situations, 
uh, like when I was answering the questions and yeah. stuff, I got so anxious. Okay. And it was something that was actually really healthy because it made me, it helped me realize like it, it basically triggered mm-hmm. the journey that I'm on now. Yeah. Because it made me start to look back to the root cause of these anxieties that I have. The root cause. The root. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pun. Do you get it? No. Your name's Root. And it's the root cause. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Damn it. I'm so sorry, but thank you so much. <laughs> like you could you could use that somewhere in your branding or something. <laughs> I'm gonna see, but I'm gonna look or for like opportunity. Roots, root cause, or something. I don't know. But I'm Ruth. That's what I mean. But. But Ruth and Ruth are really close. It is really close. Really. Sorry, In we fact, we went when off. When I say, oh, sorry, you, you I can't off. say my name properly. Yeah, I don't think I can either. No. Oh. Like I was like Ruth, Ruth, Ruth. I so I say it weird, right? And so when people hear me say it, mm-hmm. they either think I say Bruce. Yeah, I yeah. Get that. Which I'm kind of like. But I sound like a girl, right? <laughs> <laughs> but then I, anyway. Yeah. Or, yeah, Root, which I actually... Oh, Root, okay, yeah. So... Yeah. Sorry, we... I, I, I took you off track of what you're saying, though. Root cause. Root cause. My root cause Yeah. Is those questions made it so I started to think about the root cause. Okay. And then it was like... It's just... It started me on a really healthy journey. Mm-hmm. Because, because while I'm, like, feeling like today was more the gut punch feeling... It was also like this whole time that I'm feeling that way. I'm also thinking, oh, this is such a relief. Yeah. Like I'm finally starting to look at the truth. Right. And I was waiting for another pun. I know. Like I heard it, but I didn't want to do it again. But <laughs> I, 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 I did. I did hear the truth. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's been... Uh, is triggered something good. And so then, and I know that just from like just the beginning, the first, what, 10, 11 questions that I, I actually lost. I don't know exactly at what point it was that I was like, I'm going to have to start really looking into this stuff. But Mm -hmm. it makes me all that to say the questions that you've crafted Mm -hmm. are incredibly helpful. Like, and so it makes me know that you're on to something good. Yeah. And, um, I didn't write them. Um, thankfully, I have um, a team of PhD. Um, well, one one of them isn't a PhD yet, but uh, a student and a and two other PhD psychologists who have created all the content and all the questions and all that kind of stuff. So, oh, actually, it, it says that somewhere in the intro, doesn't it? Um, I don't know. I feel like I actually read that and I actually knew that. Yeah. No, no, I just want, I just want anyway, to say, like, yeah. this is not Joel Amuse's creation. It's actual scientist. <laughs> actual, actual psychologist, yeah. Actual um, psychologist. Yeah, so. That's, right. It's, like, it's, it's legit. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, that makes sense because they're extremely effective. So I'm curious, um, out of the, we have four characters throughout the program 
and they'll I'm, have different I, it's okay if you even haven't gotten there is no, that what you're gonna say yeah, yeah okay um so yeah so maybe this might be a bit more difficult but I, you can see if this makes sense you can let me know there's so throughout the program there's there's kind of like four characters and the reason why we created that is because there's mainly four categories of anxiety that people fall into okay so i'm just kind of curious which one you think you you would fall into so there is social anxiety right which is just essentially being anxious around i mean for the most part it's any situation where someone else might judge you yeah really that's really what that is yeah and then there's um phobia so this so it would be like if if for the most part you're like pretty good but you will have a panic attack if you fly or you can't go over a bridge or maybe you quote unquote freak out she used that word but if you freak out um if you see a spider like a, spec- Spiders, that, a yeah, one that specific would be thing a definite big man even just talking about it okay. right now, i was totally freaking okay. out okay yeah, yeah. um <laughs> then there's panic disorder where you have panic attacks and ironically what eventually happens is you pretty much eventually or uh, most people have anxiety about having a panic attack and it's not even the thing that caused you the panic attack in the first place that's even the thing anymore you're just afraid of having a panic attack and then the fourth one is generalized anxiety disorder which is usually characterized more of just being someone who worries a lot and then obviously i've just given you four descriptions but just like anything in life anyone can be on a spectrum so like for me social anxiety is like the biggest part of my anxiety i don't do worry i'm like so much better like as a kid that example of me i was constantly worrying about i don't really worry about that much stuff anymore Unless something happens in a like interpersonal relationship, then I like I will obsess about it. Mm. Um, and I don't really I don't have any phobias unless you wanted to classify public speaking as one. And I've never actually had a real panic attack before. So for me, it's just those two. So when I'm going through the program, I would at any time if there's examples or stories, I would just look at like Jason and Jessica. And Jason has um, generalized anxiety and Jessica has social anxiety to see how they use our program, essentially. Okay. So which one do you think would you describe yourself as in terms of the anxiety piece? I would say that social anxiety is definitely a huge one. Yeah. And because, and it would definitely be like, I do have a fear of people judging me. So Mm. actually doing optimistically depressed is a huge... Yeah. Like... This is... (laughs) This is um, a part, this is the biggest part you're doing. You're already doing what we're going to teach you to do, (laughs) (laughs) which is exposure to the thing that makes you anxious Mm. and then getting used to the feeling of being nervous. I'm I'm assuming Mm. that the first podcast you recorded, you were probably pretty anxious about it. Yeah. And it was, and, and then anytime I'm like, I'm going to share anything about myself or my Mm -hmm. life. Yeah. I, or like my thoughts. Oh, for goodness sake. Mm-hmm. Especially if it's like anything to do with religion or like things that I've done that I feel are wrong. Okay. I have like so much anxiety around it. And then this is episode one number? Uh, 28. So how much time did you spend today worrying about recording this episode? Like zero. Yeah. 
So if you'd have kept avoiding doing something like this, you'd still be anxious about it. And now you're over it. And that's exposure therapy right there. So you're already doing it. You're already on the path. Ah, <laughs> I'm going to have to do that with spiders. Well, yeah, you will if you want to get over it. If I want to get over it, I am going to have to get over we'll, it. Well, uh, we can set you up with uh, the, the whole key is to not say, I want to get over spiders. So I'm going to go find a spider and let it crawl on my arm. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> oh, that makes me want to cry. The, that makes you want to cry. The key is making 10 steps. And so that when you are at 10 steps, and you, we probably, you probably don't even want to do that. No one, no, no one wants to do that. Oh but whatever your goal would be, like, I want to be able to see a spider and, and just look at it without getting too close to it. Like, if that was your ultimate goal, then um, you start with nine steps that are easier than that, but that kind of allow you to work up that way. Okay. Oh my goodness! Okay, it's, yeah, yeah see, too far. Already too far. No, it's 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 oh, it's bad. Especially like um when I get through the winter because in the winter you don't see them right, right? right? And so then and then so I'm like not used to having them around. So by yeah. the end of the summer, I'm a little better. That makes I'm perfect not- sense. Makes perfect sense. It's just like me, like, and it goes to the exposure and getting used to it. Like, there's a part of me that will always be anxious about public speaking, mm. but if I had to give a speech. One speech a week for the next 12 weeks. By the by the fourth one, I'd be over it. I'm like, I'm over this. Like, mm. it, I didn't die the first three times, so I'm going to be fine. Yeah. And it's going to be easier and easier and easier. Then if I took two years off and then all of a sudden I had to give a speech again, like, oh, I haven't been, I haven't been practicing. Yeah. I'm nervous again. Yeah. I forgot that I can handle this. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Oh, this reminds me of like a story, a spy, it's a spider story, but I'm going to tell it to you okay. because it made me think of it. <sighs> But um, I, so this was like seven years ago. I was pregnant with my second child and I was putting my first child in the car. Okay. So I'm heading off to a reception dinner Uh and I'm uh, alone because my husband was in the wedding for the, like that for the reception. So he was already there Mm -hmm. and I was, I put my, my oldest in the car and then I was going around the car and I was just in a hurry, right? So I wasn't really paying attention. And I ended up walking into a spider web. And the spider was on the web. Ooh. And it landed on my face. It landed on my face. And I screamed. I like ripped it off. I stomped on it. I got in the car and I cried. And I was picking, I cried the whole way there, picking spider web out of my hair. And it was one of the most awful experiences I've ever had. <laughs> that sounds awful, but I'm really curious now though. And you might not even remember, but what after it was over, cause, cause in my, in, for me in that situation, I would go, <gasps> and I would just take the spider and like rip it out. Yeah. And I'd be like, Oh my God, like that was awful. And then, then I'm done. So I'm curious after it's all over. Yeah. Why are you crying? And it's not like a judgment. I'm just like, I'm curious about, yeah, what, curious about it. What, yeah. what would have led to that response after it's done and you're out of danger. I think it's because I kept reliving it in my head. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, it was, yeah, it was like a, tra- it was, I guess it was traumatic in some way. It was. Yeah. It was. It totally was. Um, Even now thinking about it, I'm just like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just a. But I would love that for that to not be a thing that like 
affects me so much. Thankfully, like having a phobia of spiders typically isn't something that's overly debilitating. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, like it's not as bad as, you know, being afraid of dogs where everyone, there's dogs all everywhere yeah. or, or flying and they're like, I'm a CEO of a company and I have to go fly people. Like, you know what I mean? Like right. spiders, yeah. it's like, just don't, don't move to Australia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll probably be okay. Yeah. I, know like, one, I mean, yeah. It, obviously like it would suck to, to, I'm sure if you see a spider that's like far away, you don't really, I mean, it's in your house and you might be like, ah, yeah. Sean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a spider up here. Can you please come get it? Right. Can get it? Yeah. One of <laughs> <laughs> what if I, my kids know that I'm scared of spiders? Uh-oh. And there was a spider on our balcony the other, like last year. And my middle child, he's such a sweetie. Oh, he's such a sweetie. They're all such sweeties. And look out, they look out for me. Mm-hmm. And so he saw the spider. And so he went and he got a cup of water. Mm-hmm. And he went out and he dumped it on the spider so that it wa- and washed it away. From wow. Me, for, just for me. That's good. Right? It's amazing. I know. I'm so proud. But yeah. He, yeah. Um, so I'm kind of glad that it seems like it's not rubbing off on my children. Well, I didn't want to say that. But I don't, yeah. But but not totally, because that's like, here's an example. I, although I'm fine now, um, well, I mean, I probably compared to the normal, again, I don't want to use the word normal, compared <laughs> to the, the, the vast majority of other adults, I probably am a lot more afraid of um, essentially... When there's thunder and lightning, mm-hmm. but it, the worst, the thing that's unfortunate is it's not my fear; it's my mom's. Ah. But she, if it was ever stormy, she, don't go outside or do this or do that. Unlike if it's thunder and lightning, my mom will either do it or tell us to do. Unplug the TV. Unplug this. It's like you're paranoid, man. Like no. <laughs> I, I have to take a stand now. Like, no, I am not going to be afraid of this anymore. You know what I mean? Like, mm. I'm so a couple of years ago, it was like thunder and lightning. And I, I, I was on a walk. I was like, you know what? Screw this. And I just walked up the Citadel Hill and I just laid on the ground and I just watched it happen. Whoa. <laughs> and I was like, I'm like, I'm getting over this. Like, just no more. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so, but like, like, so it's it's true about like you parents can, well, anyone can, but especially if you're a parent, if you're afraid of something all the time, what's, what's the, what's the message to the child? That thing is dangerous. Right. Yeah. 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 And so I was very mindful of that from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And so I was very careful to... Um, well, I was first very careful to not even bring it up and not act scared around spiders. Mm-hmm. And then people, but like, then the kids just hear from like family members, like, oh, well, your mom's terrified of spiders. Yeah. And I was like, oh, thanks. Like, <laughs> but anyway, but then it just made it. So I had to just explain to them every time we saw a spider, mm-hmm. I still had to like really just keep it cool. Right. And then just explain to them, like, there's nothing wrong with a spider. Like it's actually a really helpful creature and all this kind of stuff. Cool. I'm, but I'm just, I'm just afraid of it, but it's, there's nothing wrong with it. Well, I mean, just doing that is a, like, that's perfect. That's Thank probably, you. that's probably like what, 
I'm not a psychologist myself, but that's probably what, if I was a psychologist, I'd tell you, like, <laughs> it's a really good way to do it. Like, it's, again, it's okay to be afraid of something, but the fact that you explain to them, like, you pretty much told them, I apologize, but I have an irrational fear of spiders. Yeah. And you don't need to be afraid of them. Mm-hmm. Like, perfect. Thank you. At least, at least they get it, right? Yeah. They seem to. I mean, yeah. like Jackson got rid of a spider for me. Yeah, that's a, yeah, which is also <laughs> like a perfectly uh, awesome. So, a uh, question. Yeah. What do you think? Because you, you mentioned more of the, the, I think probably the social anxiety is something that is more holding you back, if anything. Yeah. And you're doing this podcast, which is awesome. So, what do you think are other areas or what's like your next goal in terms of? something that's holding that social anxiety is holding you back that you like to do that you want to like work on or whatever. Yeah. Um, I need to work on the way that I react to my family mm. because I so badly want to just make them proud of me. And I, it's like, I've made up this idea in my head that there's a certain way I need to behave in order to make my family proud of me. Mm-hmm. So I, but that's not who I am. Mm-hmm. And so then I feel like if I were to be really emotional, which, um, like, what does it even mean to be an emotional person? Like, I, I don't know, but I guess I'm an emotional person. Hmm. Like, it's just like, I like to talk about my emotions. I like to talk about how I'm feeling. Like, mm-hmm. obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, for some reason, feel like I shouldn't be as much like that around my family. Okay. Which is kind of weird because, like, my family is so, like, considerate. Okay. You know? So, I don't really... It's just, like, there's just this whole... Like, but- are do they show their emotions um and i think it's more helpful maybe to think not even now but probably when you're growing up maybe like do you have like was there a role like almost was there a role model in that situation that was supported people showing their emotions or was it the opposite Well, I guess, like, honestly, like, when I, when we were just in a situation that was so, um, it kind of put us in survival mode a lot. And mm-hmm. so when you're in survival mode, it doesn't really allow you the room to talk about your emotions. Yeah, like, totally. Like, work through that stuff. Yeah. So I guess not. Okay. We're more open about our emotions now, definitely. And like my siblings and I, we've always been like really like open about our emotions. Mm -hmm. But I think like part of it was, okay, here, I'll say something. I'll say something. Here we go. That I don't talk about. And it's something that I feel like a lot of shame around. Mm -hmm. So, but I've said this, like I did say this on another podcast. So I guess this is good practice for me to kind of say it again. And maybe go into a little bit more detail, but like, so I was, I was a really quiet kid and I was like, I really kept to myself. And so I was like, I was labeled as slow. Hmm. So like, I wasn't smart, wasn't Mm -hmm. smart. Like that was the kind of the label that was put on me. By teachers or? By teachers. Okay. In in a strange way. Yeah. By teachers when I was an A student. Hmm. So, yeah, I know, right? How weird. And um, and by um, some family members, like, I would hear, like, I would overhear conversations, like, 
you gotta be, you gotta be nicer to Ruth. Like you gotta be easier on her because she's a little slow. Wow. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, I'm slow. So mm-hmm. it was like, I remember just thinking like, is this what it feels like to be like a slow person or like I was called dumb. And so it was like, eventually like I had to like put on a certain kind of armor Mm -hmm. and it was like this armor of being a really outgoing, like, uh, louder person that was like paying attention to every other conversation that was going on in the room so that I could have like some kind of witty combat, a combat comeback (laughs) to whatever they were saying or kind of jump in whenever be and and to be like a little just a little mean Mm -hmm. because like if you're a little mean then or like a little judgmental then it makes you it builds you up right yeah so it was like i had to kind of like bring that on put that on right in order to make it so that people would think that i wasn't stupid and maybe weak because it because it sounds like if we're talking about like blocking your emotions, then you, yeah, I don't want to put words in your mouth. That was, but no, 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 you're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to be weak. And so I needed to, and so I was a really happy kid when I was, um, when I was out with people, Mm -hmm. I was really happy and like laughing. I had a outrageous laugh which is carried on with me <laughs> <laughs> and um you know there are a couple so you know pictures that i knew were being taken mm-hmm. i looked so happy in mm-hmm. and then as i was going through pictures recently i found some pictures that i didn't realize the picture was being taken and i looked so sad really yeah and it was like, oh yeah, that was the kid I was. I wasn't right. just like, yeah. I wasn't a really happy, outgoing person. It was just the way that I put myself. I on. actually, uh, I I posted a picture on I think I think on on our Tranquility account, and I think it's one of the most popular posts that we've put up on Instagram, and it's a picture of. Wait, what happened? Anyways, the moral story is I hate taking pictures because to me it feels really fake when someone's like, let's grab a picture. Someone has a camera or a phone and you you kind of like get together and you put on, I need to put on this smile that I just feel is so disingenuous. Mm. So usually I, re- I what I do is I resist. I go, you guys can't see this, but I'm not smiling at all. Um, <laughs> and and then the photographer will get pissed off at me. They'll go, Joel, smile. And I'll go, no, make me laugh. And then they'll tell a joke. And then I actually have a genuine smile because they like I'll I'll literally like sigh until they make me laugh. And then when they capture the picture, it's legit versus like me going like this. Eh, like, yeah, it's just like, no. <laughs> yeah. I can relate to that. Mm-hmm. And you and more and more I can tell the pictures where I've put on a smile. Like as opposed to the ones Yeah, and I can smile. I can relate exactly to what you're just saying too. Like I can like 
look back. And I'm a little confused. I'm not going to go off, off track from what I was about to say, but I'm a little confused now about especially how I think depression can affect our perception of the past. Because mm. sometimes I look at pictures of times where I'm at a certain age and my current version of that is not being happy, actually. And I go, oh, like, look at that picture that I took. But I remember what was actually going on at that time. Mm-hmm. And, like, and I wasn't a happy person. Um, but I wouldn't have thought that, like, 10 years ago if I looked at that picture. I'd be like, oh, look at me. I was that age. So, I don't, yeah, it's weird how I think I've changed a bit of my own history of huh. like oh yeah like i must have been in grade blah, blah blah at that point in time and i remember instead of instead of remembering all the awesome shit because like it wasn't all crap right yeah yeah but, but for some reason I had the, like in the last couple of years i'm thinking more about like the crappy stuff that was going on instead of the happy stuff that was going on. And i'm sure if it's a picture it's probably a good moment but i'm like oh yeah that was probably around when that happened <laughs> You know what? That might be exactly what's happening to me right now, too. Yeah. Especially especially if you are, for the first time, trying to release some of this baggage you've been holding for so long. Mm-hmm. You make a very good point. Yeah. And, you know, actually, I read lately, and we're going to have to wrap this up, but mm-hmm. I read recently that every time you access a memory, you actually modify it. Oh, yeah. Mem- our memories are terrible. <laughs> I like, and you know, I always knew that, like, um, like a person's perception of a situation is different yeah. than oh, another yeah. person like, and yeah. different than reality. And I yeah. knew that. Yeah. It blew my mind, though, when I read that every time you access the memory, you actually modify it. Mm-hmm. So, like, the memory that you would have had on a, of, a, of a certain situation 10 years ago would be way different than the memory that you would have now of mm-hmm. it. Like, yeah. so something that happened 20 years ago, when you remember it 10 years later, you're thinking it happened a certain way. And then when you think of it another 10 years later after that, you're, it's a completely different way that you're remembering it happening because you've accessed that memory however many times and you've changed it each time. It's just like, it just blows my mind. Yeah. I mean, I think we have certain schemas and then we tell ourselves stories. And then when we want to access a memory, we almost have to recreate a story around what was going on at that point in time. Because like, yeah. you definitely can't close your eye. Oh, I mean, I can't. Don't want to speak for anyone else. I can't close my eyes and like reproduce a memory. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, besides, unless there was someone who had video and audio recording that situation, it's my best guess at this point, and yeah. I'm probably reconstructing it based on my current version of what I think the world is like today. Yeah, that's too totally. much. That's just that's just too much. Oh my goodness, no! But oh, you make such a beautiful point. Yeah. Yeah. So the question that I like to ask everybody okay. is, what does it look to you to be mentally healthy? Hmm, that's a good question. Thank you. And is it is it kind of like f- for myself? Yes. Um, well, I think a lot of it comes down to 
if you wanted to really like deconstruct a, a very simplistic version of depression and anxiety, then I would say like anxiety is when someone's caught up in worrying about the future. Mm. And then depression is about um, essentially being upset about the past. <laughs> oh, and, wow. Okay. Yeah. And then so, and this is why mindfulness is like such a, like so huge these days because yeah. it's all about being present. So if you think about the things you do that you absolutely love, um, so like for me, if I'm playing guitar or even if, even like definitely at times at work when I'm just like into a task that is just like, I'm in it. Like I'm not thinking about the future or the past. I'm just doing it. So it's like when you're just doing, it's almost one example. Mm. So when you spend, when I can spend most of my day not worrying about the future and not uh, thinking about all the things I wish I would have done or, or all that, all the past and I'm just being present. That's like, that's being mentally fit and, and so in taking care of myself. But if, if, if I'm in that state, I will take care of myself um, just because it's a natural thing to do. But if I'm stuck uh, with the, with the, like when I get anxious, I won't eat. And just because I'm like, I don't have time, I don't have time for this. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't have time to eat. Like, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta worry about this thing or something. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm surprised that's where I went with that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but like, I guess that's, that might be a pretty good definition, I think, because, um, it really is true. It's like, and that's why I don't want to get into the whole evolutionary psychology thing again, but like. That's why bears don't get depressed because they're not like worry or worrying about the future or thinking about the past. Because if they did, they would forget to eat or whatever. A bear is not the best example because they're on top of the food chain. But like, <laughs> I guess like a mouse, if a mouse was like, I'm going to spend the next half hour worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow, he would die because he would get eaten by something. But we have so much time. Like that's another weird privilege as human beings that we have is we have all this time to reflect. Mm -hmm. And that's part of our problem. So like instead of sitting, instead of reflecting and doing the thing that you love to do, like if it's playing guitar or going on a run or whatever it is, being with family, being with your kids, cooking, whatever it is, get involved in being in that moment. Then that's usually a sign of a healthy person. Doing it's more difficult than one would hope, though. <laughs> That's so great. So do you, you ask every single guest that question? Yeah. Has anyone turned it around and said, what about you? A couple people have. Oh, I darn. Think, about two, yeah. Haven't listened to those episodes yet. <laughs> <laughs> have, has your answer changed at all since doing, since like doing the work you're doing on yourself and having these conversations with other people? Yes. Yeah. How's it, it changed? changed? Well, see, I'm trying to remember what it was when I first started. And I think a lot of it was to do with um, being able to talk with other people openly about what you're going through. Yeah. And, yeah, asking for help when you need it. Yeah. And um, one thing that I recently started thinking about was uh having the remembering that you have the right to change your mind 
Mm -hmm. I think that's a huge part of being mentally healthy. Since I heard this answer, I think I, I, I would modify it again, definitely to being more aware of what's happening now and staying with what's happening now. Cause like, I just like, when I'm thinking back when I, and it's funny that I'm thinking back, which is the thing that in your description (laughs) leads to not being mentally healthy. But when I think back and I think about points in time where I felt really happy, it was when I was just enjoying what was happening right in that moment. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's also, I don't, I don't want to like mischaracter. It's not about not thinking about the past, but it's about like not dreading the past. So mm. like a mentally healthy person, I guess you could say it this way, would be excited about the future and look back on the past, even if it wasn't even a great past, at least look at it in a way that they're grateful that at least that their past has led to this time now because that doesn't take a lot of time you're like oh yeah that past like pretty shitty but guess what look where i am now versus like let's spend the next hour thinking about all the things i could have changed about the last 10 years of my life right like that's not going to lead you to a good mood right yeah (laughs) but if you're like you know what like wow i learned so much i'm so much more confident today i'm so glad that that happened then you're done you're like cool what am i gonna do tomorrow i'm so excited about tomorrow's challenge blah 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 like that's a healthy person right so it's about it's not about always being present but it's about having an optimistic (laughs) um sense of the future and looking even optimistically about how you've gotten to this place Hmm. in the first place yeah so i'm glad you brought that up because it i think i might have characterized that a bit wrong yeah well i love it i I think that's a really great perspective Mm -hmm. i think i'm going to be adopting a lot i'm going to be adopting that yeah. I will try my best as well. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for making your way out here and talking with me tonight. Thank you yeah. for having me. It was my pleasure. Yeah. So good. Good. And um, yeah, well, um, I guess I probably, I wouldn't be doing my job <laughs> and my marketing person, Noor, <laughs> would, would be upset if I didn't mention that um, in terms of like tranquility. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be, so you've gotten a sneak preview. It's not done yet. It's going to be even better uh, in mm-hmm. a couple of months when we launch. So if anyone wants to learn a bit more about it uh, and, and people who sign up before we launch will get like a $100 discount on the first three months. Um, awesome. And it's just, it's tranquility.app. Uh, that's the URL if anyone wants to check it out. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. And to everybody listening out there, thanks so much for your time. And just remember that wherever you are, I'm just sitting here loving you. I'll talk to you again soon. Love ya. Bye.